and welcome to the fourth episode of My Bloody Podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything horror going on in the entertainment world. I'm Preston Barta, and my co-host is a man who naturally bathes in the grease from the Greasy Strangler, fantasizes about being the caboose of the human centipede, and thinks Schindler's List is the best feel-good movie of all time, Mr. Brian Kluger. And he ain't lying, and that was a hell of an intro. (laughs) (laughs) That was so good. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait till we get to our episode of Human Centipede. You have no idea. (laughs) I'm dreading that day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was good. That was good. Hey, everyone. It's uh, good to be back this week with another episode of my bloody podcast. With the man, the myth, the legend, Preston, of course. It's just, we just have fun. I'm glad we started this. And we're, this is like our fourth episode, meaning we've been doing this a month now. And it feels like we've only been doing this three days. Yeah, it does. That's how much fun we're having. Um, so we got a lot to talk about today. We have like some really cool things, some cool news, some bloody recommendations and a really cool movie that we're going to talk about in our main segment. But I do believe the last podcast we have, we were, I do believe, I do do believe, (laughs) I still believe, I do believe, I I think Preston is still reeling and like shirtless and oiled up in his saxophone. (laughs) Just been rocking that out. Haven't you all? All week long. Yep. Uh, it's so repeat. Good. <laughs> it's on <a> repeat. <laughs> it's not torturous at all. It's just it's just that. Yeah. Good. I like put it on when I'm cooking. He was like, not again. So, oh my god, do you do you cook like shirtless and oiled up with a saxophone and like a frying yeah, pan? Yeah. The, the spatula is my microphone, or actually saxophone. The, that's so good. Yep. The spatula phone. Uh, so we, we, October is going to come up around the bend pretty soon. Are you going to go with this guy for Halloween now? <laughs> I should. I, I definitely think, should. I think you should too. Uh, people, people would be like, who the hell are you? Until I bring out the saxophone. They're like, I still don't know what, what, what you are. Like a wrestler with the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're, of course, we're talking about Lost Boys, the shirtless saxophone. I still believe. I think yeah. his name Tim Capello or something. Oh, no, that's not the same guy. I'm thinking of something else from Monster Squad. Oh, I don't even. That's Richie Sambillo. Is it Tim? I don't even remember. We'll have to look that up. It, it's Tim something. Okay. I, whatever it is, it's, it's amazing. And Preston is fully, I think, transforming into this guy. <laughs> yeah, Tim, Tim Capello. You got it right. Oh, I was right. I can't believe it. The things that I know that I shouldn't. <laughs> um, Preston, the last podcast besides this shirtless saxophone guy, we were talking about a horror convention. And I think you went to it and you dug deep and got into the trenches, got some blood on you. You got to tell me about this thing, man. Yes. So me and my buddy, Cole Clay, who we bring up every podcast so far. Shout out uh, to Cole. What uh, He went with me on Saturday. So uh, I initially had planned to take my son with me. And when wow. I was. Wow. How old is your son? He's almost nine months. Oh, my. And, and, oh, that's just it's, so, so amazing. <laughs> 
I, I thought long and hard about it and had a, quite a few discussions with my wife about bringing our son to this convention, you know, with a bunch of sweaty 30, 40 year old men who love horror movies. And, uh, she didn't really like that idea. I even like, uh, dangled out the idea of, you know, wheeling him around in a stroller and then putting a sign on it that says, don't touch me. I'm Rosemary's baby or something. That's and, awesome. but, uh, I ultimately dropped him off with my parents so I could uh, just go crazy. And we did, we, uh, spent quite a few dollars on arrow movies and IFC midnight movies. So, uh, yeah, arrow was the big sponsor there. So we hit up that booth first, because I was just so curious as to what the prices were, what all they had, what steel books they had. And I uh, ended up walking away with the Donnie Darko steel book. Now, are you a fan of that movie? Oh, yeah. Big fan. Now, was it the 4K version or the Blu-ray version? It's just the Blu-ray version. And it's steel case. Is there anything new to it as far as like supplements or bonus features? No, it's it's the same. It's the same. But did cool packaging and Yeah, stuff really like cool that. packaging. Almost got that they had a exclusive uh The Hills Have Eyes uh steel book and then um Reanimator. Almost got that one. Really wanted it cuz Reanimator's one of my favorite movies. I feel like cuz when you say that, I feel like Reanimator was kind of like the movie that brought us together more like closer together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Cause I remember after I watched it and I watched it by myself or at least in the wee hours of the night. And, uh, after I finished it, I was like, my God, like that was so good. Like for a B horror movie, like we could do our own episode on, we should do our own episode on that, yeah. on that film. Um, but, yeah, I remember texting you after I saw it, and I was like, why did you not bring this up to me earlier? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is that good. It is, uh, and so I'm, so you, when you went yeah. to the Arrow booth, were the prices, like, on the movies, like, less than, like, Amazon or Best Buy? Do they have special deals? Yeah. Yeah, so the steel books were thirty dollars, and uh, all the regular cased films were about twenty bucks. Okay, uh, no tax or anything, so it was nice. Um, and they had everything that uh, pretty much like it seemed like their entire collection almost, or at least the ones that are put out in the states. I mean, they have like a, a very valuable set of the ones that are overseas that go for a lot of money on eBay. And, uh, so yeah, we hit up that and then we found the IFC midnight booth and we both got uh, devil's candy, which I know you have. And we saw that at fantastic fest a couple of years ago and all loved it. So finally was able to get that one. Cool. And, uh, we saw Billy Zane. He charged <laughs> $50 for an autograph and photo. So, $50. Uh, That's crack yeah. prices. Yep. So, so uh, we we waved. We just you, waved. Did you yell out something to Billy Zane? Uh, I probably would have if you were there, but we're not as ballsy when we're just us two. So, uh, <laughs> Damn it! I should have been there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, did he look good? Did he look? Did he look well? He looked pretty well. I mean, he's aged a little. He's put on a little weight. Uh, I mean, he's not. He doesn't have any roles that kind of demand for him to be in like be the best physical physical shape. Uh, um, 
I mean, I saw a couple of signatures, and he was using like like what a lot of people do when when they're at these conventions. They use quotes from their movies as a way to kind of like throw in uh, whoever's uh, whoever they're signing for. And so he did the one that I saw for uh, Titanic. He did uh, "I Always Win" <laughs> or something. Like that. And so. <laughs> So, uh, man, I wish I had an extra 50 bucks because that just would have been and, – and he wouldn't shake anybody's hand. So he's uh, doing the, you know, just little jabs, just little knuckles. So 50 bucks, uh, you just get a picture Just, and just a fist. Yep, you the get a fist, fist and fist bump and then uh, an autograph and hello and then a picture with him sitting down. <laughs> so <laughs> – uh, oh, so and then fun. we we ran around and saw you know as usual really cool um, you know merch. They had some awesome shirts and the Mondo uh, collection that they had was really cool. Really debated getting that Nightmare on Elm Street uh, those two posters that they had for Dream Child and uh, Dream Master. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, fifty bucks just. Yeah, you, you really have to prepare yourself to like drop at least four hundred or something dollars there, and um, yeah, so we ran around, scoped out all the stars, saw the It cast, they were there, and uh, I met up with uh, C.J. Graham, which which who I talked about last week playing uh, Jason and uh, Jason Lives, and. Uh, he had a pretty long line for him, which was really cool. It was really cool seeing like all the Jasons there just signing next to each yeah, other. Did you get a chance to see like all of the Jasons from the Friday the 13th movies like dressed up? I didn't see them dressed up because uh, they had like a specific time that they did all that. Uh-huh. Like they would do they would do it in costume and then they would do it out of costume. But I did see them like uh Ted White was holding a machete. I think he played him in the fourth one if I'm I could be wrong on that. But um did see quite a few, you know, like cosplayers who looked just like him from Freddy versus Jason and then Cole and I got a picture with him and then they had one guy who was Ash versus Evil, Evil Dead, and had the the arm with the chainsaw on it and everything. Sweet, very cool. What was the best uh, the best looking cosplay you saw? Uh, there was one of uh, Chucky, uh, like just wheeling around this it, like a big bag of I don't, I don't know what it was like a. Like a some kind of bag, I don't know what it was, but it just looked like it had bodies in it, and it looked like a took like two people to do it. It was just like step by step, just strolling through the place, and uh, we Cole and I were like waiting in line for the ATM, and we saw this thing walking by, and then we looked and saw uh, a family like pushing around their five-year-old daughter who was dressed up as jack skeleton and just the horror on her face when she saw that thing was priceless <laughs> oh my god that's amazing oh that's good uh, I, I, i'm glad you went i'm glad you enjoyed it uh with billy zane i will go back to billy zane for a second do you think like if he comes again we could like get like a picture of like the phantom from the phantom of the opera and get him to sign that. <laughs> uh, he might be like, what the hell? And yeah, he, maybe. 
<laughs> I just feel like that would be something funny for him to sign. I wonder if he'd even charge for that. <laughs> if I find it's too funny. Uh, and uh, who I'm trying to think of who else was there. Was any of the like the Hellraiser people there? Or yeah, Clive, Clive Barker was there. Mm-hmm. I th- I, yeah, I think the guy who played Hellraiser was there. And Doug uh, yeah. Bradley, I believe. Yep. Yep, he was there, and then uh, the Chucky cast. Oh, which is awesome. We have some news about that coming up. Uh, oh, yeah. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. So, Matthew are, are you... Lillard. Oh, oh, yeah. Did you get to see L- Matthew Lillard? <laughs> yep, yep, I did. He, I saw somebody, like, got him to sign a copy of Serial Mom on VHS. <laughs> which is a scream factory release and a really good release at that uh-huh uh-huh i like a john waters film that yep. is a great john waters film as a john waters film that like is not like a john waters film <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a little more accessible yes it's like more mainstream like that in the movie pecker it's kind of easily accessible and then yep. there's his other movies but yeah serial mom is oh, i remember that came out that's great that and Lillard. Lillard's been in so much things that not necessarily great, but he's always great in it, I think. Like I I've always liked Matthew Lillard. He yeah, he he always elevates everything that he's in. Yeah, like he's just oh, he's been so he was hacker. Well, he was in hackers, wasn't he? And or was he that SLC punk? I can't remember. But he I, was in SLC punk. I don't know about hackers. I'm trying to I'm pretty sure he was in hackers. I'm looking that up. Because that movie is amazing and has tons of people in it, including a young Angelina Jolie, I believe. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah, that's what. Serial. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Scream, Wing Commander, Scooby Doo. Just, I I like the guy, and I just, I feel like he has a lot of stories. He's been around a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Well, that's cool. So, are you already looking forward to next year? Or where are you, will you be going next year? Yeah, I'll be going next year. I don't know if I'll be going in the middle of the day on a Saturday because that was a terrible idea, bad parking. I, every year that I've gone, it's just been like I found like one good spot on the top of the roof at the Hyatt Regency Hotel at the DFW Airport. And uh, this one, not only was the second one, second garage full but the third and fourth one were full so i had to pay 30 bucks for valet Ooh, yeah but i'm gonna write it off on taxes there you go yep i'm I'm curious because it's growing all the time if they're gonna change venues at any point because i mean i get why you would do it there just because if you're flying in people it's like real easy to get them to their place in the hotel yep However, yep. it's just a pain in the ass for everybody else. Nobody wants to drive to DFW ever. Yeah. Yeah. I think they should. Uh, well, it was pretty much like shoulder to shoulder, at least for a good chunk of the day. Oh, so I, well, shit. They I, need to get into that uh, Irving community one uh, where usually the Comic-Cons have been recently. Yeah. That would be a pretty big space for them, and it's multiple levels, which would be really cool. But yeah, I remember, I remember when it was like at a really small like hotel, like a one or two story hotel, mm-hmm. uh, and now it's at you know a pretty big place. But then it's at even I think outgrowing. So I wonder, I, yeah, hope for the best. It doesn't seem like it's stopping anytime soon. Yeah, 
All right. Well, very cool. Any last words on Texas Frightmare Weekend? No, that just about covers it all. Very cool. Let's move on to some news. I have to. We have to talk about this first bit of news because it's just funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think most people know what a Funko Pop figure is. Uh, do you own any Funko Pop figures? Hell no. Yeah, so I own one. I own one, and I didn't buy it. I was gifted it. Um, it is a it is a Funko Pop uh, figure of Goldberg from wrestling. Somebody, my my good friend Tom Nix, who's usually on our wrestling podcast, wrestling is everything is wrestling, um, gifted it to me. I think one Hanukkah, and. Uh, <laughs> Just because, you know, it's the Jewish angle. Uh, so that's the only one I have. I have not purchased any Funko Pop figures. However, this might be the first one I actually purchased with my own money. Just because of how funny it is and great. Uh, from the movie The Witch that came out a year or two ago, Black uh, Phillip, the goat, is getting its own Funko Pop figure. <laughs> And I just think that would be awesome. You know, what's thou children like to play deliciously? Uh, <laughs> you know, I just think that, I, I mean, I don't know how Funko Pop uh, gets the rights to literally everything on TV and movies ever. But literally the Funko Pop figure for everything, mostly. And now Black Phillip is getting one. And I'm just, I'm just real excited about this. Are you excited about this? Would you get this one? Uh, I I probably would just because I like really crazy off the wall stuff like just the randomness of things and like that one just seems completely random to me for them to even select that and for him to come with an apple get a little <laughs> apple at the bottom of it. Uh, <laughs> I, I remember reading about it. I think it was Dead Dread Central that posted about it, and they said uh, something about like uh, you know, God, Fungo Pop is going to be a mass producing a new figure based on wait for this bullshit, Black <laughs> Philip from Supernatural <laughs> or film The Witch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's this. It's I don't get it, and like you know. You know, folks, I used to own a comic book store, and I used to have a quite the collection of action figures and statues of all sorts. Like, you have no idea. I sold everything, basically. I kept, like, one or two things. Uh, but I never got into the Funko Pop figure. And it's like a, like this phenomena that they're everywhere in literally just every TV show, every movie, wrestling just anything. There is a Funko Pop figure for it. And I just don't – I have no idea how this – this company gets the rights to these things. Like, unless they're not, unless it's kind of like a parody thing. I don't know. Do you know this? I don't know. Does it, does the, did they release the box? I've only seen the figure. So I don't know if it actually says like the witch on it or any, a 24 or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I actually don't know. Um, it is, it's supposed to be coming out in July. Um, but I'm sure it's a, it's a, it's going to be a thing. I just, I have, because you see like Avengers, you see Harry Potter, you see all of this stuff. You see like Ash from Army of Darkness. You see Stranger Things. It's just, there's no end, which I mean, people buy this, you know, I've, I've, I know people who have literally hundreds of these things. 
Um, so I'm just glad that there is this. So if you're into Black Phillip, if you're into Funko Pop figure and the witch, this is, you know, a good, a good gift for you for July 4th, <laughs> July, bring mm-hmm. that sucker out. But yeah, this might be the first Funko Pop figure I purchased just because uh, I just love it. I love it. Um, let's move on to a little bit of news. I'm curious to see what Preston thinks about this. Um, Interestingly enough, Bill Mosley, the actor Bill Mosley, who's mostly known for playing Chop Top um, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, as well as Otis from uh, from the, uh, the House of a Thousand Corpses and the other Rob Zombie fantastic film, The Devil's Rejects. I guess on, on social media, the actor Bill Mosley said that he's always wanted to play Freddy Krueger. And somebody on social media asked him if he would. He's like, heck yes. And they said, can we start a petition to get you to play Freddy Krueger in like a new movie? And he goes, yes. So there is officially a petition now uh, with many signatures ask, you know, telling studios if you remake or if you do another sequel or a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, which supposedly they're kind of mulling around get uh, Bill Mosley to play Freddy Krueger. And so, Preston, what do you think about this? I think that would be a lot of fun. I, I think, think that uh, cool, too. Uh, what, what was his name that played him in the remake that was really bad? Um, it was the guy Rorschach from Watchmen. Um, oh, he has a three-person name, right? Uh, uh, Haley something? Yeah. Uh, uh, this is terrible. Ja- Jackie, Haley, Jackie Earl Haley? Yeah, Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley. Isn't that right? Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's right. Not Haley Joel Osment, but Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> oh my god, I would I would pay money to see that. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I like I like him a lot. I like him in Devil's Rejects as Otis and uh yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. I think you'd bring a be a nice middle ground. Not quite there for Robert England, but nice little uh secondary yeah i think i mean it's hard to do like a robert england uh you know it's hard you know robert england really just made that character made those movies he's like an icon and i I like bill mosley a lot that's their big shoes to fill in like that remake with jackie earl haley it had like flashes of good moments but ultimately Definitely not uh, not a good remake. You know, you'll never watch that version. You'll always go back to the original. So, if this happens, if it's mulling around, I absolutely Bill Mosley. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think he would bring the fun to it because that's definitely what was lacking in that. I think it was two thousand nine or whenever it came out. Um, I just remember watching that one, and I invited one of my buddies with me who he's very vocal during. Uh, a lot of the midnight showings that we used to go to in high school and first couple of years of college. And so I just had a feeling that this one was going to be terrible, the, the new nightmare in Elm street. And, uh, he just added the commentary track and made it so much more enjoyable than the movie actually was. And that's exactly what was missing. I just wanted the fun. And I think maybe he would make it fun. No, I, I think so too. I think, they went more serious with that remake and like very like the last five minutes you finally see Jackie Earl Haley do some like funny one liners, but it was all lost still and didn't really do well. But yeah, yeah. Bill Mosley, if you've ever seen him as Otis uh in House of a Thousand Corpses or even Devil's Rejects, 
he's super scary and super funny at the same time. Yeah. Uh, so high, yeah, that would be awesome. All right. Um, I've got a, I've got a little bit of, uh, TV horror news real quick. Um, FX, the channel FX that brings us Always Sunny in Philadelphia, has ordered 10 episodes of What We Do in the Shadows TV series uh, based on the movie. And I just got to say, I'm super excited about this. Yeah, especially with, uh, you know, uh, Taika Waititi and Jermaine on it. I think it'll be great. Yeah, I think it's going to, I mean, it's going to star Matt Berry and Kevin Novak and. I just, I really love that movie because it's like, if you haven't seen What We Do in the Shadows, you can check it out on one of the streaming services because it's on there. But it's like a Christopher Guest movie, kind of like Best in Show or Waiting for Guffman, but set in modern day about vampires. And it's just so funny. And Taika Waititi, yeah. uh, um, you know, he did uh, did Thor Ragnarok. Um, but What We Do in the Shadows. He does. He huh? does that really. I, I always use that line. Uh, hey, look, a ghost cop. That he does. <laughs> yes. No, it's it's great. It's like mockumentary style. So I'm just glad because I know they've been wanting to do like talk about a sequel or doing a werewolf version. But I'm glad mm-hmm. we're like getting 10 episodes. And like that means they're not doing like an hour and a half, two hour movie. They're I mean, we're getting like basically three movies at once with 10 episodes. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of excited about that. Um NFX will give them the freedom. Yeah, for sure. If you've ever seen any of the FX shows, they they don't shy away from, you know, usual language or violence or, you know, funny stuff. So I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm I'm all in. But we have to wait until, for a year. So spring yeah. of 2019, that is when that's happening. Um, Preston, I know you got some news. Hit me with the news. Hit me with the news. You always got news when you're coming in, Charlie McDennis. Let's hear this. <laughs> um, all right. So there's Jordan Peele's next joint. Uh, he tweeted out a few days ago this monochromatic poster that has that, like, a Rorschach-looking image of two heads on it, and it's called Us. And it says at the top, a new nightmare from the mind of Academy Award winner, which, man, that just feels so good to say, Jordan Peele. And uh, it's coming out in March 2019 as well, or I guess that's springtime. So uh, there's not too much information out there. There's just a bit of casting. So they have Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Elizabeth Moss, who is terrific in The Square and The Handmaid's Tale. And And, yeah, and they're going to be in the lead roles and then it's going to have Black Panthers, Winston Duke, who you you might know from all the wolf chants that he does in the neighboring colony. Um, So, yeah, that'll be a nice little uh, Black Panther reunion. Yeah, uh, definitely excited about this because, I mean, Jordan Peele, you know, you know him from Key and Peele. However, he made like one of the best movies of recent memory with Get Out. And, you know, that's like his first big feature film. So now there's like this second effort. And we always hope that it's going to be just as good. And I hope, I really hope for the best. I really hope that most people just don't like compare it to Get Out. And like, oh, it wasn't yeah. as good, you know? 
Yeah. Because I feel like it could go like the way of like, you know, Jackie Brown did for Pulp Fiction, you know, with Tarantino. Because I think Jackie Brown's one of Tarantino's best movies. Um, but it doesn't get a lot of uh, talk because it came out right after Pulp Fiction. So I hope this new movie from Jordan just does, I mean, does better or... You know, I, I'm excited about this. I'm just glad. I, it's we, isn't it weird he's doing this, like this, these horror thrillers? He's like, yeah, the, guy. yeah, like these social horror movies. Uh, I think it's great because I, I got a little nervous when he was like taking meetings with like Warner Bros and all these different companies to do like these big tentpole uh, films. Like uh, they're they're going to do like the live action uh, or I guess the American uh, uh, Akira. Yes. Adaptation. And so he was toying around with that idea, but then he ultimately decided that he just wanted to focus on original projects, which I'm so happy. Yeah. 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 He's got his head on the shoulders and um, he seems like uh, for how good Get Out and how calculated it is, I I don't doubt that this will be just as effective. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Now, aren't you, now, now, do you think in this movie, since Get Out did so well, do you think he'll bring his 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 good friend and collaborator Keegan Michael Key to the <laughs> to the to a role of some sort, or do you think that would just like take everybody out of the moment? It probably would be a distraction. Um, it almost seems like he needs to be a couple of movies in before he does something like that. But I don't know. Maybe he would be feeling a little ballsy about it, but I think, uh, maybe wait for like the third one or something. Yeah. No. Cool. I'm, I'm super excited. You know me. Or, or they could cast him just like horrifically as like completely against type. And he's just, just completely and utterly disturbing. Then maybe that I would be completely on board for that. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. You know, I know you're in, so we'll both be in. Jordan Peele, you have our you have our money and our respect. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, one of the movies that I saw at uh, South by, which is one of my favorite movies of this year, is Hereditary. Uh, you probably heard about this movie through the grapevine. It's one of uh, I always get a little apprehensive when critics start saying it's like one of the scariest movies ever made. Because uh, we, we we talked about this yeah. the past few years about like the Babadook and uh, the witch, the and, witch, yeah. and it follows. And and I, th- I think just people, you know, they have festival goggles and they just get really fired up about when a horror movie is actually good because a lot of these Midnighter movies that you see at festivals, they're fun. They're made to be fun, but a, very few are actually just uh, worthy of being in the best picture category kind of thing. Um, and uh, Hereditary is is very good. Um, it'll probably make my top 10 of the year. Uh, just, just, uh, just very disturbing. And so already, uh, this director, uh, writer, director, this was, this was his first movie. Oh, right? oh, oh, oh. Hello doggy. Hi doggy. <laughs> yeah. She, she, she heard you talking about hereditary. <laughs> it's like, nope, get that demon out. Yeah. She's like, oh. um, yeah. So the director, Ari Aster, uh, his first movie was Hereditary, and he's already got a couple projects in, uh, lined up, and his next one's going to be with A24 again. It's going to be another horror movie. Um, the the plot is being kept under wraps like 
a lot of these movies are uh, so early. Uh, but it, it supposedly follows a young woman who's reluct- who reluctantly joins her boyfriend on a summer trip where things go wrong. Uh, it's uh, it sounds like a kind of premise that we've seen before, but if it's anything like Hereditary, I expect it to go off the rails pretty quickly. Oh yeah, I've, I've just I've heard good things, and I just uh, I've. We, I think you and I are at a point now that like we see a lot of horror movies now, and I think we appreciate pretty much all of them, most of them. But we were, <laughs> we're always on the lookout for, you know, the ones that stick out. You know, our Exorcist movies, our Shining movies, you know, stuff like that that really take it into the next level. And hopefully, Hereditary is like that. Yeah, there, there's, there's been some images that I have not been able to shake, especially two. And, uh, yeah, well, I'll save, save you from the surprise of that. Is it, is it right up my alley knowing me? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. He'll put it on a t-shirt folks. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm excited about this. I really am. Um, very cool. Very cool. Anything else? Um, well, you uh, tease the idea of child's play. If you want to talk a little bit about that, yeah. So, um, child's play. You know, there's been tons of movies. I've loved the last couple. You know, Curse and Cult of Chucky. But it seems like uh, the original creator uh, Mancini, that did the original one, and David Kirshner, they're uh, they've been talking about doing another movie and or reboot or whatever. But it looks like now that they're going to develop a TV series based on Child's Play, and it's going to be a sequel to the last film. Which, if you've seen the last film, Cult of Chucky, you know they have kind of like an Avengers tag at the in the credits for the past uh, few films. And a character from the original films shows up, and it's just so cool and badass. You're like, I want more. So mm-hmm. it looks like um, the voice of Chucky, um, and who was actually Charles Lee Ray in the original, Brad Dourif, um, was on social media and said that he hasn't talked to Don Mancini yet, but his daughter, who's been in the last few films of Child's Play, talks to him every day and they said that the tv series is something that there's a lot of interest in and that is the wheels are in motion and that's probably most likely certainly happen so i am all for this because one of my favorite movie franchises of all time is child's play like i always look forward to the next one i remember seeing these in the the theater when i was really young even the first one uh, I just there's something about Chucky and just how great he is and funny and scary the whole situation is. But what they said is like they're gonna go dark darker than ever before with this TV series. Mm. And part of me's like I like it, and part of me's like please have him. You could do both well. You know, you can have the funny aspect of Chucky without being too overly cheesy and still have the really creepiness that Child's Play One had. Um, yeah. So I hope they have like a mix of both. So um, I don't know. What do you think of this? Um, as long as they find the right network, I think it really depends on that. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm right there with you. If it, 
I, I'm all for like material getting a little bit darker, but as long as it's balanced, especially when you, it, it's kind of like the, the issues that we were just describing with uh, nightmare on Elm street. Like it, that, that remake was not well balanced in terms of it being like darker, kind of scary. Cause right after like the remake of Texas chainsaw massacre came out, everybody just had this idea of kind of remaking all these films that, uh, were celebrated back in the day and still celebrated today, but uh, introducing them to a new generation of horror fans, ones that kind of like this hardcore stuff. And uh, it, it's kind of, it's hard to kind of gauge like where we are with horror today. It just completely, it just changes. Uh, there'll, there'll be like haunted house movies. There'll be these slasher films. There'll be this really hardcore stuff. And so, um, as long as it just kind of dips its toes in all these different pools, uh, I, I think it would be fun. So, um, yeah, that I, I'm all for it. Me too. Uh, I, I would, I would hope that something like somebody like stars, like the stars network stars channel, um, they, you know, they gave Ash vs. evil dead three awesome seasons. I could hope something just as similar for child's play. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. But I'm in. Look forward to that. Um, and I guess the uh, my last bit of news, I don't know if Preston has more, but um, Nicolas Cage is in a new horror movie called Mandy. And I guess it has been selling out um, everywhere, even at the Cannes Film Festival, uh, has sold out international territories, which is crazy. Um, this movie basically uh, features Nick Cage... And uh, his wife, who play a couple leading a loving and peaceful existence, who see their haven uh, destroyed, savagely destroyed by a cult, which puts Cage, Nick Cage, uh, on the road to bloody vengeance, which just sounds like perfect Nick Cage glory right now. Because uh, he's been in a bunch of movies recently. Some have been really good. Most of them have been pretty terrible. But... I just like Nick Cage, and this movie just seems so much fun. Uh, even like the the picture of him, just like completely yeah. bloodied and war torn. You're just like, I have to see this movie because of this this guy, Nick Cage. What do you think? Have you heard about this? Have you seen it? I've seen the poster. Okay, and then I, then I just looked at the image of him covered in blood, and that, it, yeah, that's just great. As long as he screams a lot, that's <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm completely in. You bitches, they were all for honey. <laughs> Nick Cage, we love you. We want you to be on top again. Uh, you always be on top. It's, in a, it's like he, he does his comeback role, and then he does the one that sends him back down. He yeah. Does a couple of, he does a couple of those, and he does one that brings him back up. So, yeah, he's just... That guy's a loose cannon. He's just enjoyable to watch no matter the quality of the film. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, look look out for Mandy. It looks like it's doing very well, and a lot of studios and distributors are very much interested. Uh, so I think we will see this. Uh, in theaters very soon. I hope so. I hope so. Um, if you don't, if you have any more news, we can move on to r- bloody recommendations. Uh, that's all I got for this week. All right. My bloody recommendations. 
has come. Again, we've been on bloody, my bloody recommendations. We give you some like old, maybe forgotten horror movies that you should check out and purchase. All fun, all good stuff. Um, I have a themed one today since our, uh, for our main event of the podcast. Um, do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? You can go first. All right. My bloody recommendation, since our main main event, our main movie we're going to talk about a little bit uh, in a little bit is an anthology horror film. I went with an older anthology horror film as well. Um, coming out in 1993, it's a little, uh, a little anthology horror film called Body Bags. And, oh, dear, how much do I love this movie so much. Preston, have you seen Body Bags? I feel uh, – I remember seeing the creepy cover uh, when I was a kid, and I'm pretty sure I watched it then because it was a T movie back in the day, I believe. Um, uh, but I'm I, watching it today, it would be brand new to me, so I don't really recall anything. Yeah, it's 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 a good it's good. So you can buy it from Scream Factory right now. It is a Scream Factory release, Body Bags, and it's John Carpenter. So basically, anthology horror movies, you know, something like Creep Show or VHS or Trick or Treat, where there's a bunch of little stories that kind of coexist in the same realm that are told. This is what Body Bags is, and it is by John Carpenter. Um, so back in 1993, Showtime wanted an answer to HBO's Tales from the Crypt. So Showtime got John Carpenter on board, and they began filming this would-be series uh, for, for Showtime. But after filming started, the network decided to scrap the series. However, since uh, three shorts were already filmed, they just made it a feature film. Uh, so that's where we get body bags. And so two of the um, sequences uh, segments are directed by John Carpenter. And the last one is directed by Toby Hooper, who directed, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and there's even like a Crypt Keeper uh, type of narrator. And it's he's played by John Carpenter. Uh, it is so great. So like the first segment uh, like takes place like – at a, like a real small gas station where this like college chick is like working the late shift at the the gas station and she's really scared and then there's a serial killer on the loose and she gets locked out of the gas station and the serial killer uh, stalks her however in this Wes Craven uh David Naughton from American Werewolf in London and Sam Raimi pop up in this little short it's quite awesome uh, and the second short is called Hair, um, stars Stacey Keach, who's like an older balding, yeah, yeah older balding guy, um, who's, uh, his girlfriend is none other than Sheena Easton, my baby takes the morning train, that Sheena Easton, uh, <laughs> and she, she gives, uh, Stacey Keach shit for, uh, balding, so he, like, gets, like a hair transplant, but this hair transplant is like not a real hair transplant. It is like some sinister shit, and things oh go very wrong. And then the last, uh, the last one is called "I," and it's directed by Toby Hooper, and it stars Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill, and it's a, it's a, it's a story we've seen quite often before, where 
Uh, Mark Hamill gets in a car crash. He loses his eye. He gets an eye replacement, but the eye is of a serial killer, and the spirit of the serial killer is in the eye and starts taking over Mark Hamill. It's like Mark Hamill, like you've never, ever seen him before. He's like Emperor, the the Emperor, like Senator Palpatine. (laughs) Uh, He's hardcore evil. (laughs) Uh, It's really good, and it's like, it's funny it's gory and just a lot of fun and like there's like all sorts of really cool stuff on the scream factory blu-ray such as commentary and uh making of and everything so if you like anthology horror movies and like old school like 1993 horror you're gonna love body bags highly recommended (laughs) nice all right preston what do you got for me i did 1989's the church Ooh, the church. Yeah. Uh, so it's this one's directed by Mickey, Micheli Suave. I think yeah, that's me, how you say it. Is it, is it Mikel? It's like Michelle Gondry or Mikel Gondry or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, he, he directed, uh, directed 1991's The Sect, which I did not like at all. But he has a thing <laughs> for uh, like these kind of cult type of movies and this one is quite reminiscent of poltergeist in a lot of ways where the opening takes place during like the medieval times uh and they're having like a witch genocide and so they're killing all these witches and uh they dig this pit throw them all in it and they just cover it and then over time a church is put there and then the church uh, starts having, like, all these hauntings, all these ghosts inside, and that this ancient demon. And uh, it's got a lot of creepy, creepy imagery in it. And I think that's the thing that uh, sticks out the most to me, because similar to your recommendation last week, uh, Werewolf Woman, right? Yes. Um it has that uh, it's an Italian, you know, it's made by Italian filmmakers, and um, it's got that really bad dubbing. Yeah, it's, it's it's I think like Dario Argento is even part of this movie too. Yeah, yeah, he presented it, he wrote it, quite a few people wrote it, uh, but yeah, it, it's got his name all over it because aesthetically it looks just gorgeous yeah in the in the music you like yes. just like argento and lombardo bava's italian horror films you've got goblin and philip glass doing the music to this movie <laughs> yeah um but yeah there there's some like i was saying like really great imagery uh there's one scene where one of the guys that's working at the church uh he kind of becomes possessed and then goes down to the basement area. That's like the closest to these witches graves and, uh, kills himself by a jackhammer, turns it on and just kills himself that way. <laughs> and, uh, later on, uh, when the church has like a lockdown, it's like during the conclusion of the film, there's this creepy, uh, it's made to it's it's made to look like this painting. I can't, and I can't. I think it's called Vampire's Kiss. Uh, oddly enough, Nicolas Cage, but um, <laughs> it's it's got uh, it's like this creepy snake. I keep saying creepy, but they it's this snake-looking guy that has wings, and his wings are going over this naked woman, and he just has his 
long fingernails wrapped around her body and he's just like pulling her away. And that, 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 uh, there's like imagery all throughout the film. That's, uh, that, uh, will give you some, uh, quite a few nightmares. And so, uh, that's what to me, um, compared to the sect, which is very, very similar in its tone and story structure, uh, with like a cult, like people who are, uh, know about what's going on and uh, they're not telling anybody. And then there's like this sacrifice type thing going on. And when this uh, ancient demon that I was talking about comes up from the earth and it looks way, way, way more scary than it was in the sect in the sect. It was kind of goofy. It was a pelican that's <laughs> kind of made to be like the devil. Yes. And, and then this one is this giant werewolf looking thing. And, uh yeah so uh yeah it's uh if if you're a fan of just like really cool aesthetics like dario dario argento does like with suspiria um i definitely recommend this one and for all it's this uh great imagery and a nice uh g- kind of like a nice little gothic horror story yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a good bloody recommendation, sir. And I believe it is on Blu-ray as well. You can buy this on Blu-ray. Yeah, it came through came through uh, Scorpion releasing. Yeah, so two good two good ones. Uh, I like our bloody recommendations: the Church and Body Bags. They go well together. Um, so our main event. Of the evening, our movie we're discussing is uh, quite a fun movie. Um, I'll, I'll let I'll let Preston take this, but it is a 1971 British horror anthology film. Uh, Preston, which one is it? It's 1971's The House That Dripped Blood. Which is really funny because if you watch The House That Dripped Blood, I don't think there's a single drop of blood in the movie. <laughs> nope. And I when I watched the the extras for the movie that Scream Factory put out, and or I guess it was an archival one because the only new thing that they put out was an interview with uh, the second director or second unit director, something yeah. like that. Because it's an, it's quite an old film, and a lot of these actors and filmmakers have has, have since passed. But uh, yeah, originally they didn't want to title it "The House That Drip Blood." I can't remember what they originally wanted to title it, but it's like something that to deal with one of the records that they play in the movie. Um, I don't know if you recall that or not. It was it was called uh, "Death and the Maiden" or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a it's an anthology and it has four different stories. Uh, it's it's kind of similar to I don't know if you watched this movie, Brian. Uh, Ghost Stories that recently came out. Oh yes, uh, I, yes, I do have I own that. Um. So yeah, pre- pretty similar in its uh, structure as well. In that it uh, it's it, it begins with like a investigator looking into these hauntings that have been going on at this house. And so uh, anybody who uh, lives in this rental house in the UK, um, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, pan out for them. And uh, it's got Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, which are great team together. They've done a lot of horror films together. 
Um, this seems like it would be a Vincent Price type of scenario. Y- yeah. But it, but it's not. There's no Vincent Price in this movie or part of it. Um, but it's it's, def- it's definitely cool uh, how they put it together. And even though there's not, like, a whole lot of, like, blood or gore, it's actually really creepy. And I think one of them is the uh, the Waxworks one, the one about the, uh, the, the wax people. Yeah, that's got Peter Cushing in it. Yeah, that, it's just a creepy, creepy short. Yeah, yeah. He plays like a retired stockbroker and his friend becomes fixated on this uh, wax museum that appears to contain like a model of a lady they both knew. And, uh, you know, it escalates from there. But uh, I think the one that stuck out to me most outside of the last one that has John Pertwee in it, who you may know from like the Doctor Who days of the 70s. Um, was the one with Christopher Lee, and oh, he—that was the one with the doll, right? Yeah, where the where his daughter has like this voodoo-like doll, and he's he's scared of his own daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so and, so because you have a kid, so that this this might come true for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm not worried about it right now because uh, I. I'm bigger than him. I could take him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah, I guess I got something to worry about when he's probably eight years old or something, but yeah, it's called sweets to sweets and it's the third segment of it. And uh, yeah, the last one is called the cloak and uh, it's got a, it's got some, it's got like this act. Jean Pertwee plays this actor, like the seasoned actor, similar to, himself and he's he he moves into the house that's haunted and while he's shooting a a vampire movie uh, nearby and there's all this great commentary about like the state of horror and how films should be made today he does like this really great monologue talking about that where he has his cane and he's uh, like tearing down the set and make and making uh, fun, poking fun at uh, Christopher Lee, right? Yeah, they they kind of break the fourth wall and like kind of doing inside jokes for other horror movies of people who are in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and so he he buys a, a black cloak from this peculiar uh, shopkeeper to use as the the film character's costume, and then the cloak seems to have this weird, strange power. And then, uh, yeah, and then, you know, stuff happens, uh, real, real vampires and, uh, things like that. And then you get to the end of the film. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the first one is called Method for Murder and it's got Dim Home Elliot. Um, he was in, uh. Was he, was he in Star Wars or was he in Indian Jones? Denim, like Den, um, uh, he he was the the friend of Indiana who always Den. got lost in his own yeah. museum, Marcus Brody. Yeah, that's right. But he was also the butler in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, he, he plays a, a hack writer of these horror stories, and he moves into the house with his wife, and it's haunted by the visions of of the the murderous psychopathic character that he creates in his next novel. So he's kind of haunted by his own work. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool, it's, 
it's a really like, so British. You know, if you've ever seen British horror, it's kind of like it's set up differently than I guess American uh, horror movies. However, I think this movie really works because of like the setting, the the performances, like the kind of like the moments where like they poke fun at other people in the movie, as well as like not showing a single drop of blood, uh, but still being pretty suspenseful. It yeah. it still holds up like from the 1971 still holds up in 2018 and you know it's it's good I I, yeah. I like this movie yeah it's got a really loud horror score yes like, in, like really loud piano uh, organ type sound and stuff and it's pretty it's pretty heavy in that first segment and then it kind of fills us out a little bit toward the end but uh, yeah it's got it's got that whole uh, you know the framing device, and then it just kind of weaves it all together quite nicely, and ends in a way that kind of gives you stuff to kind of think on. Like the guy says, "Would you move into this house?" Yeah, he looks directly at the camera and is like, "Would you?" At the end, like, would, yeah. would you do this? And be and like, "Hell no!" Yeah, no, no, I'm out. I it would be like deuces. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. uh, and. I think there is some Blu-ray news on this, right? Um, yeah, well, it came out through Scream Factory. Uh, yesterday, so, I think. Yeah, 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 just yesterday. So this so, is a brand new release. Yeah, and it comes from comes with some nice features, some uh, archival stuff, some new stuff, like I said, with the second unit director. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good way to... It's a good way to, uh, you know, introduce yourself to this if you haven't seen it yet. Buy that Screen Factory. Yeah, because if you're a fan of like horror films, you have to. It's, I, you know, I, I, since I'm a huge wrestling fan, you know, wrestling fans really know where the the origins and where they came, who came before who. It's a, it's really cool. It's like a family thing. So I think if you're really into horror, I think you're gonna want to see how anthology films have evolved and where things come from. Maybe some ideas that modern filmmakers have taken in, in the house that dripped blood. I think you can see some of the really cool things that have been shown in other films that you might have seen recently. Um, and that's what, I, that's why we like to talk about these things, you know, and get you excited about these horror just because the house that dripped blood, while it might not, you know, be quick cuts and organs spilling out, it's just, it's a suspenseful film and it's quite fun. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Is that our episode for this week? That's our episode. Oh my gosh, my bloody podcast. Episode number four in the bag. I can't believe we have to do something special for number five. It's number five. Oh my goodness. Next week. Um, yes. Maybe, maybe the It's Alive trilogy. Ooh, yes. So... So Preston and I will we'll give you a little tease. That's what we'll do next week. The It's Alive trilogy. If you don't remember It's Alive, we're going to remind you next week because there's three movies to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and you won't forget the title, too, because if you've ever seen – look up the the old trailer and you can look that up through Scream Factory's YouTube page. They got uh, some guy, like the narrator, showing all this, you know, the disturbing imagery. And then it will be say it's alive and he like says it like Groot you know like all these different tones he's like it's alive it's alive it's alive 
<laughs> that's where I am Groot, uh, where they got that yeah. from, from that thing. Yeah, they're like, I want you to, you ever seen the It's Alive trailer? Yes. <laughs> Vin Diesel's like, yeah? Uh, that's funny. So, yeah, we will do that next week, um, along with some other really fun stuff. But uh, we'll say goodbye for now. Uh, Preston, where can everyone find you? You can find me on freshfiction.tv, where I'm the features editor, posting stuff every now and then. And then you can also find my weekly theatrical reviews and Blu-ray reviews on dittonrc.com for the Ditton Record Chronicle. Hell yes. Read his stuff. He knows what he's talking about. Um, And I'm Brian Kluger, and you can find me at boomstickcomics.com. Uh, and highdefdigest.com, writing about all sorts of fun things. Um, also, look us up on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and subscribe to the Multimedia Men podcast or type in My Bloody Podcast, type in Mediocrity, type in Wrestling is Everything is Wrestling. You'll find all of us there. Um, and please just tell your friends to listen because we'll keep, we'll keep dishing this out. We'll, we'll keep we'll keep going um, as long as you love us and tell us how sweet we smell. <sighs> <laughs> Preston, it's been a pleasure, and we'll see you next week, if not sooner. Yep. All right. We'll see you soon. This is my bloody podcast, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>